Hello and welcome to GG Weekend Watch, kindly sponsored by BetMGM with myself, Dave Young and Andrew Mount to look ahead to the weekend action and hopefully we get all meetings going ahead. We feel like we've had a spate of abandonments on our last few Saturday uh, cards. So hopefully all the action goes ahead at Ascot, Haydock and Wincanton because we're going to be covering plenty of the top races from those three venues. And the lads are in good form last weekend despite us losing meetings because we actually only had four races to go at to, t- to tip up in but three races we actually only provided tips for because of course shishkin's race we we didn't have any strong betting convictions in those so emerson very well done dave one for dave and quintara second for andrew as well in that race edwardstone also for dave Ibirico lord also for dave and knickerbocker glory place at a big price for andrew as well so lads very well done hopefully we'll get more races to go at so i'm expecting a similar strike rate this time around and we begin at ascot with the grade two reynolds town novices chase Five rods and over, over three miles at 150. Apple away, a short enough price favourite, taking on the boys at the head of the market. So, Dave, over to you, please. Thank you very much. What a lovely introduction. It's nice to have some winners to talk about once again, isn't it? I was very sad about the Teddy Bear Cup not being on, though, because I feel my best bet was probably in there, but I still cuddled them up. Right, on to this week's action, though. We start, obviously, at Ascot. I'm struggling in the first race because there's no Alan King trained runner, so I don't need to pick. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, this is like this is a, like a class race. Every year I love the Reynolds Town. It might not always have the best horses in there, but there have been some very nice winners of this. I typically look for like a stamina merchant in this. I think Copperhead was the last time I got a winner. He's now rated 118, so I didn't do so well with him, or despite him winning the race. But I've had Manella Rocco in the past that comes second, went and won a national one chase. And then Bob's Worth was second as well, went and won a Brown Advisory. So there are nice horses that win this. The stamina-laden merchant, I think, in this race is the favourite apple away. She got better last season as she got through her racing, like from this time of year was when she started to shine as well. And first time up when she ran in that graduation chase, also the intermediate chase at Haydock where Gail Demesnil was in there and uh, Grey Dawning, that was her first run. She had another option, of like a pretty soft mare's novice chase where she was in conditions and stuff, she would have been well into win that. They still opted to go there. So it's good experience. And if you think there, she bumped into Grey Dawning. The last time she ran, she bumped into Grey Dawning. Take him out of it. Her form all of a sudden reads a lot prettier. But her Leicester run going this way round was pretty good. I don't think this race is as deep as anything she's been in so far this season. I mean, it's deeper than the Leicester race, but still, I think she wins this. Um, She is obviously short enough, but I don't think you need to look any way away from the head of the market. So Apple away does win the opener. I appreciate she's short, but she bolts up. Yeah, three to two um, then, but six to four. No, 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 Kate. Ten to six two, to ten to three, half past six, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Eleven to eight with BetMGM, there you go. I'll give you that incentive with our sponsors. Apple away at the head of the market. I'm rowing in with you as well, Dave. So we're getting off to an agreeable start, at least anyway, with Apple away. I love her in here. She's not even the top rated in here. That is Kilbeck King after he got... His mark uh, readily shifted up from the 135 in the grade one Corso star last time out. But I was actually using him as a little bit of a sick to beat the behind Ile Francais form. So for me now to justify him going up again to a mark of 142, I I, I can't uh, on that basis. So, yeah, stamina to the fore with Apple away. 
And I thought that she's run a cracker on all of us starts this season. Like you say, behind Grey Dawning on a reappearance at Haydock. Jumping probably wasn't up to scratch on that occasion. Then, of course, the formality at Leicester. Um, performance was boosted, though, in 31 length success over the second, making your mind up. Boosted at Newbury last Saturday. And last time out at work, again, dear old Grey Dawning getting in her way. But uh, she was 18 lengths in front of Broadway Boy, who didn't give his running, admittedly. But I still think that that's the best form on offer. And I like her taking on the boys again. So we are both with the mayor, Andrew. Who are you siding with? Yeah, like Dave, I've, I've got a soft spot for the Reynolds Town. I've always liked this race. It's a good punting race because you often find horses turned over at short odds because they can't handle the right-handed track. And you also see horses who run, run second or third in this race then um, come back and uh, win the big uh, uh, grade one novices chase over three miles. I was going to call it the, the RSA or the Sun Alliance chase, but that's showing my age, uh, at, at Cheltenham. So it's, it's certainly going to have a bearing uh, on the festival. But you can argue, should this even be grade two nowadays? Because um, you know, the official rating, of, uh, the highest official rating here is 142. I think we have to go back to 2014 to find... Uh, um, a, a, a lowest sort of um, rating for the the top rate that was 145. Many clouds who finished second in this race, um, you know, ten years ago. So it, it really uh, isn't a strong renewal. Uh, Apple away is the obvious one. A lot of people gave her extra credit for that second degree dawning because she went from the front. But Warwick is a front runner's track, and uh, time and time again, you think, oh, they've gone too hard up front in here, but they hold on and they uh, and they find more against their inside rail. So I'm not, you know. Um, as perhaps forgiving uh, about that defeat as some people are, particularly as she is the three to two favourite, six to four in old money. So I'm, I'm just going to go for Kilbeg King and um, you know wade in with that Elaine from say um, Cordo Star novices chase form. I know Hermes Allen was beaten next time out, but um, yeah, Hermes Allen is the horse's best on flat tracks, and uh, why he was you know. Yeah, people were wading into them at short prices at Sandown, but he clearly wasn't going to like the track, is uh, is beyond me. Um, fair play to um, Dan Skelton for sticking in the King of Rio up here to get two grand for coming around to finish fifth before probably having a go at one of the handicaps at the Cheltenham Festival. And uh, he's done a similar thing in the uh, the Grade 1 chase later on, where his, uh, his 50 to 1 shot sail away is going to pick up nine grand if he gets around and finishes fourth. Okay. <laughs> yeah, which wouldn't be the worst thing ever then. Oh, but um, yeah, six of four, we'll say Apple away then at the head of the market uh, in our opener, the grade two Reynolds Town Novices Chase at Ascot. Now, we're going to move to Wincanton now, and this comes up at 2.05. This is the grade two Kingwell Hurdle, four year odds and over, over a mile seven. And uh, yeah, five to two then, Rubode as the market leader. Goshen, though, we have to mention him. He's in there at 13 to 2. So, Andrew, I'll go back to you then for the Kingwell Hurdle. We know that you loved this race in the um, pre production meeting that we had. So, what are you siding with? Bless his little cotton socks. Goshen, I mean, he seems to have been around forever. I, I, I had to do a double take. I think he, he can't just be an eight year old, he must be at least 10 now. Um, but he's going to draw people in again, isn't he? With um, small field, right-handed track, soft. They'll be oh, the first time blinkers that might help, and it almost also might see him run um, like a complete fruitcake as well. So we know he's going to go into the wings of the fence, uh, fly, uh, the flights. He's going to jump towards the inside. We know on soft ground at Wincanton he wants to be wide. Goshen's going to be more towards the inside. I think he's going to be vulnerable here, uh, but that's kind of reflected in his price. He's one of the outsiders at thirteen to two. 
Uh, Nemean Lion is uh, a horse I bigged up after the um, Greatwood Hurdle, which we saw form that was franked again, of course, in the Betfair Hurdle last week. And um, it was a big advantage to race around the inside in the Great Woods, which was quite surprising for Cheltenham on soft ground. And all those horses who uh, sort of raced wide, as Namir Lion did, um, have come out and run well since. And um, he, he missed a couple of opportunities because of good ground and then um, turned up in the um, uh, Lanzarote at uh, Kempton just got chinned by um, one of Dan Skelton's JJ Riley reverting um, to hurdles from fences. And I think going back to two miles, soft ground, right-handed track, I'm, I'm quite happy for Nemean Lion here. It's an interesting race, but yeah, take on Goshen, side with Nemean Lion. Four to one about Nemean Lion. Fascinating that he was entered in the Rendlesham up at Haydock as well as the Kingwell Hurdle, but they've opted for the shorter trip then, and Andrew's made the case that that is likely to be a positive for Nemean Lion. Dave? Yeah, it's quite a nice race, this one, isn't it? Um, we've obviously got, like, talk about Goshen already. The thing with the headgear is three times he wore cheek pieces, admittedly a couple of them were over fences, I think. Last, last, last. We know how much he's a madman. You do not try and tell Goshen what to do by putting something on his head, like make him wear a funny hat as he's running around. <laughs> as, much, as much as I normally just throw more money away at him, this is the one time that I won't even be bothering to look for a trade or anything on him. So... If you want to bet him, this is probably the time to do it, right? But I, I, he, he he did win him. He beat a dadger, didn't he? Giving him half a stone when a dadger looked like he would be quite good. That was like a resilient effort. But, I mean, it was a groundy out type one, and, and the former that doesn't sound so good now. Anyway, I, we've mentioned Goshen. We have to do that every time. The, the interesting one, like Nimi and Lion that Andrew said, like if the horse jumps a fluent round, he's miles better than his current mark. I do like him. I think he's got his chance. Priced accordingly, though, like four to one's probably a fair enough price to lure you in, but I wouldn't be betting him. Guard your dreams, I thought, ran all right behind Lossy Mouth last time off for a significant layoff. Definitely needs a bit further now, but I just need to mention him because he could be, I know, maybe some sort of Coral Cup typey horse. Now, Rabode is at the head of the market, sort of vying for favouritism with Colonel Mustard. And you could see this happening during the week. The wise guy's money, I guess, was coming in for Colonel Mustard. They ran against each other last year in the Scottish Champion Hurdle. Got to remember, Rabode was a five-year-old then. Colonel Mustard was an eight-year-old. There is a £12 swing with them now, and there was only £2, I mean, sorry, two lengths between them. But you have to ask yourself, is Rubode a £10 better horse now than he was in that race last year? I would say definitely he is, and I'm not even Rubode's biggest fan. So I think Rubode deserves to be favourite. The soft ground does worry me. And then also, if you want to make more of a case for Colonel Mustard, he's only won once, right, over obstacles. But the reason why he's going to shorten up and why we're going to get a price on Rubode will be the fact that people will say, but he was second to... Bally Adam, he was second to Echoes in Rain, then it gets better. He was second to John Bon, he was second to El Fabiola. Like it all starts to sound quite good. Even behind Founder 50, I'm like when he was chasing as well. That horse obviously went in one at the Dublin Race Festival. But I'm I'm tempted now more than anything to probably bet Rubo because I think he's too big a price. If this was on good to soft ground, Rubo would be a six to four poke. We're getting about five to two because it is soft. It might dry out. So while I'd prefer it to be quicker ground for Rubo, the flat track will sort him. I thought he ran really well in that international hurdle. And as I say, he should be a lot shorter than he is if all conditions were in his favour. And I don't think the soft ground will completely rule him out either. So... I don't really like Rubode as a horse. Sounds really harsh to say that, but I do think he's got a favourites chance in here, and I think he's probably overpriced. So, Rubode, Team Rubode. 
Oh, and I'm on Team Rabone as well. You and I have been agreeing quite a lot on this show. It's suspicious. It's um, yeah, I I am in total agree with everything you've just said. Then, where I um I previewed this race actually on Tuesday, of course, before we had declarations going through them, and Rabone was an even money shot at that point before we even had the final makeup. So the fact that we're getting five to two now, and I was happy to side with him at even money a few days ago. So naturally, I'm going to stick with him here. Where yeah, again, I'm abandoning Goshen finally. <laughs> well. Well, to be fair, I did side with him last time. And um, after siding with him in the Cesaro Rich and also then in the Fighting Fifth, I gave him the chance. And I didn't side with him last time out. And I had someone um, who's close to the yard in uh, message me saying, you're not siding with him the one time where it's been his aim. And, well, if, if that really was his aim then last time out in the long walk hurdle, well, that's even gives me even more reason to... Uh, side against him then because he just doesn't look in love with the game does he and you just said there about the headgear for him first time blinkers any other horse you think oh that might just give him that extra squeak if anything that might just do the complete opposite again to uh to goshen so can't side with him love him but i don't think he's in love with the game as much anymore guard your dreams i thought was interesting um here but he is having a quick enough turnaround i know it's not the bounce factor as in he ran really really well to expect a lesser performance, but I'm, I'm still just suspect of that. So Rubode, who uh, did also run in the uh, international hurdle, as you said last time out, and I made the point before that race that I don't think he's really a 149 horse and that mark had been inflated somewhat just by good placing of his trainer um, to get the wins out of him in small field contests. But, I mean, he was giving way to a round then in the international hurdle to be beaten 11 lengths behind Lossy Mouth, who would be a legitimate champion hurdle contender in any other year. Um, but it was only over one length between the next three. So that was a fair enough effort. And I think he's better right-handed anyway. And when Panton suits him well, one from one at the track. So Rubode, for Dave and I, again, there at Wincanton. Now we move back to Ascots. Now this is for a handicap hurdle. Four year odds and over, over two mod three at 2.25. Open contests to go out here, Dave. Six to one the field. So I'll just let you take this one away. Yeah, I mean, it's a proper decent handicap. This is what they're all about. There's six to one in the field, as you've suggested. There are quirks galore and there are healthy enough cases to be made for many of the horses. I'm pretty boring this week, to be honest with you, because I've got a bit of a soft spot for rare edition. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that are similar to me. I don't really like watching him race, though, because it gives you a heart attack if you've got any money on him. But he's still miles better than his mark. Um, he's the five places up for grabs. We said six to one in the field. He is six to one, five places up to grab. He screams, go and get the balaclava out, don't he? And just have a good bet each way on him. Because I can't see him out of the frame for all that he might end up throwing it in. But like one of these days, he will just do it all properly. Harry Cobden was pretty good on him at Kempton, I thought. And I think they'll only improve as a partnership. So I will definitely be having a nice each way bet on uh, Rare Edition. Bad is second in the betting. They're throwing cheap pieces on him for the first time after a wind dot. They're throwing the kitchen sink at him while they're stepping him up in trip. When he first won in France as well, he was runner-up twice, I think it was. Then they stepped him up another two fathoms, and he won first time in France going up in trip. They've always thought this horse was quite good, so I suspect he'll be popular. But I don't, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't like all that windy, cheap pieces, throwing everything at it type stuff, unless they just want to use it for many excuses. But I don't know. It feels like they're reaching a little bit for me, and he doesn't look like a horse in these races that wants this extra trip. I think they're going to go plenty fast enough anyway. So I wanted to mention him, but I can't, I can't get a hand on him. 
The other one I just need to quickly give a mention to is I mooted Soaring Glory for a Betfair hurdle plot. Didn't even get an entry in the race, did he? However, he still remains interesting off a mark of 132, despite the fact that he hasn't won in any of his last 11 starts. He was three from seven over hurdles before that. He is very hard to trust because the next bit I'm about to say goes back to October 2021. But Ascot form. Reads one, two, three, one, second enlisted um, bumper. He was third behind my Drogo, and my Drogo looked like an absolute weapon. But it's worth mentioning as well that all those runs came on bad ground. It's going to dry out. The only reason I'm really mentioning him is very similar to like an on the blind side. This horse is probably going to be put up on many occasions. So might be one to bet that you could lay just to get a free roll in there. But I will be betting rare edition. I hope <coughs> it's the one, but it's a proper handicap hurdle, this one. Proper one, and it's an each way plus race as well with Best MGM with five places on offer, fifth of the odds. Then, so Andrew, are you looking to utilize each way play more so, or are you just going to go straight down the line? Yeah, good, good question. I'll probably just back two horses to win. One of those is Dave's Rare Edition, three runs right handed, first, second to Marble Sands. First, when he uh, ran into Marble Sands in listed company at Huntingdon. Uh, Marble Sands was rated 129 at the time, now rated 147 um, over fences after uh, improving. So I think that was a, a good effort in the circumstances, even though he was high rated at the time. And the other one, uh, the funny one, is Soaring Glory, uh, who, as the name suggests, is by the sire of fame and glory, um, a sire who's uh, probably intended to improve with age, particularly from the age of eight or older. Now, in the early days, it was a case of um, this is a horse who seems best when fresh. Um, you could set your clock by me back in first time out or after a break of at least six weeks um, once he'd had his seasonal debut. That um, sort of seems to have gone quiet at the moment. But uh, if you look back, maybe um, that's the incorrect reading of his form and um, the correct interpretation is he needs a big field and a strong pace. And uh, you know, the last time he had a field of 12 or more runners, he was fifth, beaten four lengths in the 2022 Betfair hurdle the time before that. Uh, he won here at Ascot in October 2021, the field of 14 before that, because he won the Bet by Hurdle in 2021. So if you look at his, you know, his hurdles record, field of 12 or more runners, fantastic record, including a soft ground bumper win at Ascot. And uh, I just think after a 52-day break, there's a fresh angle as well. Maybe Soaring Glory can bounce back. I think since the decks came out, he's 33s into 20s. Um, but rock solid at the head of the market is rare edition. Dave, you must be over the moon with that. <laughs> the mad, I'm, I'm a bit nervous that everyone's agreeing so far. We've still got plenty more to cover, though, so let's start arguing. <laughs> let's start getting into the arguments. But the pair of these two agreeing with two horses in probably our most competitive race of the entire day. That 225 handicap hurdle for a win and an each way bet then in there. Now, we welcome in Haydock and the aforementioned grade two Rendlesham hurdle for the five rods and over over three miles. At 2.40, Botox has 9-4, to four, market leader for the Gary Moyard, Butch 11-4, to 100-30, uh, Red Risk 11-2, bar about the remainder. So, Andrew, the Rendlesham. Yeah, another race, a bit like the Rendlesham, where you could argue that um, shouldn't be sort of grade two, particularly when you look at the, the size of the, you know, the field here and the, uh, the standard of it, probably a little bit too close to Cheltenham. It tends to be quite a weak race. Um, was lucky enough to win it as an owner with um, Red Fazilla back in 2014, the last time he won, and it was very deep that day. The going stick was 2.9 on the hurdles course, I think it was about 3.5 uh, this year, so it's going to be uh, pretty testing. The, the one I want to take on is the favourite. Now, Botox has um, a very good fresh um, first couple of runs each season, 
uh, four wins from 10 starts, third or uh, subsequent starts is two from 10. One of those wins, um, well, the first of those wins coming third time out when he was odds on, the other one after a mid-season break when he'd been off for sort of um, seven or eight weeks. Now, he's had he last race 21 days ago. It's his fourth run of the season. I think um, this is going to be one race too many in a short space of time. So I think we've got to take him on. Uh, Red Risk was semi-interesting. Having um, finished uh, a close-up second behind Botox has at um, Weatherby the last time he had soft ground. Uh, sounds Russian, absolutely fascinating. Um, first run for 337 days, but you think this is a prep before a return to fences. Wakul, last year's winner. Um, he came into this last year on the back of a, um, um, a sort of decent effort. I think it was fourth at Musselburgh. He ran in the same race um, 13 days ago. Ran poorly, but did lose a shoe. So you could perhaps forgive that. It's not impossible to see Wakul bounce back at a big price. But I'll go with Butch, who's uh, bidding for his fifth uh, win in his last six starts. Looks the most progressive. Um, Seven-year-old on the up. But I certainly want to be against the favourite. Taking on Botox has then with Butch, 94 with Bet MGM second in the betting. Dave, are we about to start disagreeing or are you continuing this theme of agreement? Uh, well, I'll just read out the first 10 words of my next line and we'll see. I make it a two horse race with little respect for Butch. So. Oh. <laughs> 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 Yay! Uh, We're in normal uh, order being restored. <laughs> the, 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 the harsh thing I've got with Butch is that last win was 135 rated handicaps. So I know he's won and he, he's just got, just got it done, didn't he? There was three horses that finished within a couple of lengths of each other. The next horse was beaten 25 lengths of time after. The horse that was next closest pulled up after. So I know they've run since. He's had a longer break in between. But this, for me, is a step up in class too much. At the price that he is, I'd have him at least twice or thrice the price. And that may happen because there's already been a bit of money for Red Ricks. Red Risk, sorry. And Botox has as well is like fairly strong at the top of the market. But I wonder if Botox has would drift as well. Like Andrew said, they tend to put the horse away, don't they, from January? Although the one time that he did run him in February, he won the National Spirit. So it's a bit of a... Um, the only thing with him as well is similar to like a Goshen is record with headgear is terrible. He's not from four with headgear. They're keeping the visor on this time. So that would put me off both Cheap pieces. Cheap pieces. Well, it's, it's still headgear. He's not from... Yeah, he's not not from you, said, you, said, you said visor. Oh, no, they ran him in a visor for last, last time, didn't they, in the Cleve Hurdle? Yeah. They... Yeah, swap back to cheap pieces today, I think. It's headgear. He's got something around his head, the same as Goshen, probably all the same in Gary Moore. They, they laugh at him as they leave the yard and it knocks their confidence before they go into a race. But I, I like Botox. I'd like I give a bit of a chance. You go back to that race at Weatherby, the York, West Yorkshire hurdle, where Botox has a red risk. A bit of a surprise, really, given the horses that were in that race. Battled it out towards the end. There's only a couple of lengths that Red Risk has got to find, I think. There's a couple of pounds that's a swing in there. And the ground is possibly much well, possibly test like testing enough for Botox has. I know he's got a bit of form on soft, but Red Risk seems to go on like terrible, terrible ground. So it's there isn't much value in the price, but I would probably just tentatively select Red Risk in the race. But it's a good looking renewal, and I do like the race. Okay, right. So you're going to side with Red Risk. Andrew's with Butch. Let us complete the disagreement, uh, Tricast, then, because I'm with Botox has at the head of the market. Here Whoa. we go. In, in the cheek pieces here where, <laughs> I mean, again, I looked at this race earlier on in the week. And it was just it was just chaos because you had Ailey Beach in there, who I didn't think should have been good enough. Um, Itchy Feet was in there, 
God knows ever what to expect from him. Um, and of course, the Mian Lion, who's going back over a mile seven and then instead of stepping up to three miles here. So it was all kind of a bit of a mess. It's sort of found its order now. I really respect Butch, but his win last time out, of course, now he's stepping out of handicap company. He still has to go some to be meeting uh, Botox has his form. And I totally understand what you've been saying there about uh, plenty of runs and hard enough runs in a short space of time. But I still think he's got that other one then in him. And um, and he, he hasn't been facing any of the horses that he has been facing of late in this one. And those horses are the best staying hurdlers around. And I know that we say the best staying hurdlers around. We almost have to put our own inverted commas on it. But they're still the best staying hurdlers around. When you look at Noble Yates, uh, Paisley Park, Dashiell Drasher, Champ, Crambo. Um, and he hasn't been beaten out of sight by those horses either. So this looks a good opportunity for him to take. Hopefully he can do that and justify the nine to four price tag about him in the Rendlesham. Right, all three of us disagreeing there. We head back to Ascot for a premier handicap chase for Swinley Chase. Five rods and over, over three miles. Now, Victorino, he was well supported last time out to try and uh, bring up the hat trick. Couldn't quite do so at Cheltenham. So, Dave, back to you. Back to Ascot. Will that suit Victorino? Absolutely. Coursing distance winner twice this season already. Still on the same mark as he was at Cheltenham, where Charlie Deutsch, love him as a jockey, he's a good, good boy, isn't he? but he raced wide the whole way out with like the wrong place to ride him. Victorino wins this. I think he wins, not necessarily wins it easy, because it is a competitive race and there's cases to be made for plenty of them, but 300 through five, yes, he's going right-handed, but no, he doesn't ever want to win a race. He's up mm. to 152 now, would need a career best. I know Victorino would also need a career best, but on an upward curve and recently winning races, when they're that this close to each other in the market, I think it seems a little bit mad. Shan Blue is mad, isn't he? Because when they ran in the last day with cheap pieces on over a trip that was probably too short for him, or definitely too short for him, it was really eye-catching, wasn't it? And I was almost desperate to see him stepped up to three miles. He could do it in here, but then at seven to one, there's just nowhere near enough juice in there. And especially when there's a horse like a Victorino in it, who I think fits the profile to win the race. So I think Victorino will... will I say think and definitely the the ultimate oxymoron, but like I, I do really fancy Victorino. There's still more in this horse. I will have to obviously give a mention to Rapper because until the day that he retires, I will continue <laughs> to bet Rapper. He's about a 25 to 1 poke, so I'll have a small little wind dart on him, but I will also have a more significant wind dart on Victorino. But I'm scared I did. of Sam Blue. So, yeah, I, I'm with Chamblou here. I, I, I'm hoping that last time out was no fluke for him. We know he's so well handicapped on his previous form. He was an eye catcher. Wants to step up in trip. And that marker, one, four, three, was seen to win effect in 2022 and also in 2019. So that seems to be the sweet spot for a 10-year-old in this one. Seven to one shot. I did think when I opened up this race and I saw Rapper in here, I was like, well, I can script this for Dave if, he, if we don't need his uh, opinion in this <laughs> I did one. the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we should have had it in our little secret reveal card as well. Uh, the Victorino, though, the main play for Dave. Chambly then for me. Andrew, where are we looking? It's incredibly difficult, this. I mean, a lot of people who should have known better tipped Victorino at um, Cheltenham last time when he was dropped after two three-mile wins right-handed. He was dropping to two and a half on a left-handed track. And um, he went off as though he was running at Ascot again over three miles yeah. in terms of price. And again, he's priced up here as though he didn't run at Cheltenham last time out. Now, I, I know he raced wide, but he did run very, very disappointingly. And uh, was it a case of that race coming too soon? You know, it was, um, you know, his wins came when fresh, first two runs this season. And um, there was a good gap between those uh, as well. Um, of, um, what was it, um, sort of uh, 50 days or thereabouts. 
Um, so maybe it was a case of it wasn't the track that beat him at Charlton, it was the race came too soon. And now here he is after 21 days' absence for Venetia Williams, whose horses aren't running as well as they were when um, Victorino was winning his races uh, here earlier in the season. So again, I, th I think he's the wrong price. Seven to two is wrong. Um, he should be bigger than that. So while it wouldn't surprise me to see him bounce back and win, it couldn't back him at that price. Take Dave's point about three under three five. I mean, a couple of years ago, two or three years ago, I thought he was a potential King George horse. Never lost right-handed. Now he just seems to be like, um, you know, like, uh, like Dave says, a bit of a twicer who's going to find one to beat him wherever he runs. So um, if you can, you know, some firms bet on the horse to finish exactly second. I think three under three five is probably a good bet for that, sort of Mr. Coffee style. Uh, I think Iron Bridge has entered at um, Haydox. I'm not sure he's going to run here. Um, Chamblou, I bet last time out on the um, Dan Skelton first time cheap pieces angle and uh, just got chinned, beaten three quarters of a length. Uh, I'll go for him. It's a really tricky race, uh, but I just thought Victorino was the wrong price. Wrong price at seven to two. And he's vying for that favouritism with three under through five. But we are both with Chan Blue in the Swinley. Now, that was over three miles. We're stepping up even further in trip for our next race as we head to Haydock for the Grand National Handicap Chase, or Grand National Trial Handicap Chase, I should say, not the one itself. Premier Handicap, five rods and over, over three mile four at 3.15. And the aforementioned Iron Bridge is in here with John Joe O'Neill Jr. booked to ride. But those uh, very familiar Hemmings colours are also towards the head of the market with famous bridge as well. So, Andrew, watch your bridges and watch your Hemmings colours in this one. Yeah, three and a half miles round Haydock on heavy ground, blink and you'll miss it. Uh, it's going to be one of those ones where um, do not play this race in running. You'll just go for the uh, you'll go for the grinder because you'll be oh that's going well. It's like oh it stopped. That's going well. I'll back that one instead now. Oh no, that stopped as well. So uh, complete carnage. I mean, famous grid. What the devil were they doing with the benefit of yeah. running this one on good ground? Bear in mind, last spring this one was one of the favourites for the Scottish National. They pulled him out because good ground was deemed unsuitable after um, uh, getting beaten, albeit very narrowly, when fourth at, at air on his comeback this term. He won his next two on soft and heavy going, you know, including over the extended three miles one here at Haydock. And then they, they turned him up and uh, ran him in the Skybet Chase, or the Great Yorkshire, whatever it's called nowadays. Good ground pulled up, albeit the jockey said it was because of that mistake at the third, but um, it did certainly take him a long time after that mistake at the third to pull him up and you know seeing he's never traveling afterwards you can forgive him that and um, you know, i'm hoping he's going to bounce back maybe it's going to come too soon 24 days certainly prefer him at 61 to my silver lining at the same price that one won from the front at warwick last time out um, generally speaking uh, opposing front running warwick chase winners on the next star is uh, is a good angle uh, albeit Etalon um, did uh, do the double today, although he was odds on at Sandown. I will do it um, for Diamond Racing. You know, he's um, going to run a good race uh, 27 days after that. Um, uh, third in the, uh, so third to L'Ompresse and Protectorat. Uh, he, he'll love the ground, got a lot of weight, but, you know, if, if you're backing one to sort of finish in the first sort of three or four, he's probably not a bad one. But it's, yeah, typically a uh, trappy affair. But I'll go with Famous Bridge to um, prove that Doncaster form all wrong. Famous bridge over the Iron Bridge, then do make sure that you don't get those two mixed up because it's very easy to do. As soon as we see these colours, if it's got a bridge, a cloud, or what's, what else do they normally have in their names? Yeah, bridge or a cloud, you can kind of tend to expect those for these types of horses. Um, but they are both going in here. Famous bridge, though, it is for Andrew. Dave, who did you like? 
Yeah, I agree with plenty of what Andrew said there, if not all of it, to be fair. And like you can see why those ones are towards the head of the market. Um, but yeah, it's not a race that I would ever have a strong, strong opinion in it. However, I'm going to give Yearman a bit of a chance. I looked at it in the week. The ground being heavy is a tiny bit of a concern. But if you look at the form, twice it's run on heavy was at two miles. One of them was behind Impervious. So it's hardly surprising he never got anywhere near that. And then the last time when he was beaten favourite, like he was plodding on like, I mean, the ground is definitely a concern. I just want to say that. But it wouldn't completely throw me off my, my thoughts of his chances. And like that Victorino form I'm talking about, I wonder if this step up could be the answer to him. Eight to one is a harrowingly short price though. So that puts me off. But I still want to mention him because I will probably have a small token selection because it's Saturday racing, right? Well, I'd like to have a bet. <laughs> Fullback is another one that I will also take a bit of a swinger. I touched on him two weeks ago when he was actually withdrawn at Sandown. He fell in the fleur de lis where it looked like it was a prep run for something because he fell quite early on. I thought maybe they were going to run him again quickly as a prep for something he's always looked like he would be an absolute dower stayer he's two pounds lower than his last winning mark off of 133 now he won off 135 he just to me looks like he's massively overpriced on the fact that this could be the answer to him and the fact that they withdrew him as well at sandown i believe that they did that because they thought actually do you know what? we could probably just get him as fit at home so i think this may have actually been a bit of a target um so fullback is as big as 33 to one in here so i'll take a small swing at him as well Oh, swing at the outsider of the field there, full back there, three to one, as you say, in that, um, yeah, fascinating race in that Grand National trial. It was lake, wasn't it? The other ones for those hemming colors. If it's oh, a lake, it was, yeah. a cloud, or a bridge, R R Richmond Lake is that one of the, uh... yep. Yeah, so if it's any one of the above, then you can pretty much have a good guess that if you haven't seen the silks yet, it's probably going to be in those white, green and yellow silks uh, for those names that tend to confuse me. But I'm a simple creature and we are now moving on to Ascot for grade one action. This is the Ascot Chase by Grosanova over two mile five at 3.36. Dave, I'll go back to you, please, for this one. Thank you. I mean, it's a nice race. I know it's a grade one with four runners and people will say, oh, there's only four runners in a grade one. But there's not really many other horses you'd want to have in here that we didn't see last weekend. Um, I was thinking of this race, you know, La Homme Press after the Fleur de Lis run was pretty good. Thinking course and distance winner. Didn't run here before when it was good ground. The ground's ideal for him, I think. I mean, it's I say ideal. It's good to soft, soft in places. And the clerk of the course is a little bit of rain. If anything, it might dry out a little bit. So he was the one that I was expecting to be favourite. I didn't expect him to be as short as he is. And then once I started to delve into it, obviously, if one is significantly shorter than you think it is, something's got to be overpriced. Now, I did tip up and really fancy Pick Dory when he got beat by Bambridge. How is he nine to four in this when he ran against a Bambridge and Edward Stone that Edward Stone was at the wrong trip? He was about the same price in that company, whereas both Ahoy Senor and Lompresse on their day, I think, are better than Pick Dory is. And the painful thing with Pick Dory last time was he jumped beautifully the whole way around, bar the last. Bambridge made lots of mistakes and he did get beat. So for all I do respect Pick Dory and I do like him as a horse, he's too short as well. So then we get further down. We know Sailaway's got no chance. And Ahoy Senor, right? I don't think it takes too much to make a case for him. He comes good this time of year. I think his record from like March or, or sorry, from this time of year on was like February onwards. He's won a couple of times. He comes third 
Um, and, he's, and again, he came second at Aintree when Shishkin picked him up and Brian Hughes should have won on him. He just kicked him for home way too soon. He's running the Cotswold chase as well. It was fascinating, wasn't it? Because there was a stirrup that snapped like four out. And even in his races earlier this season, I've looked at it before, especially watching on the exchanges. I, to me, looks like he's travelled okay, but he's just always been a massive price in running. So someone seems to know something about him early in the season that he's not doing too much. So for all he looks like he's a dour stayer, I think he has got that little bit of speed about him as well. He does always jump a little bit to his right. He came second in that Felton by and Brave Man's game. Admittedly, he was really bad in the King George. But he beat Lahon Brest, didn't he, at Ascot when they'd obviously run at Cheltenham on bad ground. Then it was a bit better ground. And Ahoy Senior proved that. And Lahon Presse sort of faltered on it. And I think as well, that Fleur de Lis race, while it, visually it was good for a comeback run for Lahon Presse, he got four pounds from Protectorat. He didn't really put any distance between himself and Protectorat. And while Protectorat ran well leading the race for Shishkin last time, it didn't look like maybe he had everything left in him that day. So I wonder if it's going to have left a tiny, teeny bit of a mark. And it could be similar to when Lon pressed one of his browns. It left a bit of a mark when he went to entry. So he's terribly short. And it's a long-winded way of saying I'm going to have a bet on a hoy senor. Hoy senor, six to one in here. It is his time of year. I say we're just getting into spring now for him. Derek Fox uh, getting back on board. I did feel really sorry for Stephen Mole Queen because there's nothing you can do if you stir up snaps, see stir up snaps. And uh, Hoy senor, it was just, it was just. It was a given something was going to go weird for a hoist and you're just a calamity of an animal, really, isn't he? But six to one then in here for Dave. Andrew, who are you siding with? Yeah, um, fascinating race. Great bit of placing by Dan Skelton to put sail away in here. Um, you know, you pay 875 quid to enter, you get 9,327 quid to finish in fourth. Plus, you've got uh, a hoist senor who you know could end up on the deck as he often um, does and um, you, all of a sudden you've got 19 grand to finish in third that said a hoist on your i mean the key to him um not so much time of year thing i think it's uh, he wins when he's had a, a race within the last six weeks and his previous run also came within the last six weeks when he's had those conditions four wins two seconds and a fifth um from seven starts so he's got his conditions for the first time since that cotswold chase win last year the trouble is although we know he jumps out to his right and theoretically he should be suited by a right-handed track every time he goes right this way around he runs like a hairy pig so uh, mm. you know i mean and lucinda russell's in good form after a quiet spell earlier in the season including where you ran in the cotswold chase so you know if, if you're going to give me a free fiver i assume you're uh, oh, I'd, 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 I'd stick it on a hoist, senor. I mean, pick Dory, you know, love him. He, he loves going right-handed and, um, you know, he's sold enough, isn't he, a nine-to-four. Long presser, you, you want to say, well, he's got to go left-handed. He jumps out. Uh, sorry, he's, he's got to go left-handed. He jumped out to his left. But he did that and kept winning right-handed, um, you know, a couple of seasons ago. So you can see him doing exactly the same thing. Although you could say, well, it's 27 days after a long break. 27 days after his comeback run on the back of a long break you know will it will he bounce finishes aren't running you know particularly well um so you see i think i'm with dave i'll, I'll just um, throw a token selection at ahoy senor and uh, hope he doesn't do something stupid like walk through the first fence again like Shishka, it wouldn't be like him to do anything silly at all, would it, Ahoy Senor? So uh, I think you're pretty confident about that not being the case. <laughs> uh, six to one, both of you with Ahoy Senor in the grade on Ascot, Jason, fully enough, at Ascot. Now, that was the final race from our scheduled races. So, Andrew, I'll go back to you, please. Anything else this weekend? Um, yes, um, one or two interesting races elsewhere. 
I'm just playing for time. I was going to say, what they are. So I, I did, uh, hang on, let me just uh, check my notes. Bear with me. Ah, sorry, um, I hadn't refreshed the declaration. So I'm looking at the five day deck. So no, I'll pass because it turns out it's not running. Oh, great. That was <laughs> nicely bought time for that outcome while we were waiting with eager anticipation or the same for that. Uh, Dave, anything else this weekend that's been declared? I do have one that's been declared. I even set a reminder in my phone to check if it's been declared. And madly for anyone that like has followed me for a, like a period of time, the horse is only rated like 103. This is not my end of the barrel to be scraping. But there's a horse called Zonda who runs in the 450 at Wing Canton. First time in a handicap the last time was at three miles. Just was pretty keen, to be fair. And I think if the jockey had put him into it a little bit sooner, he might have got a bit closer, but he probably wouldn't have won. They've waited with him since. They've dropped him back to two mile five. He does want worse ground than he raised that day. It was good ground. I think this horse is miles better than his mark, potentially. But I was bitten the first time with him. So hopefully the second time this will come good. I would leave him alone after this. But I think Zonder in the 450 at Wincanton could be an absolute good thing. On his second start in a handicap, just looking at him here now, the same mark as that opener, but very lightly raced horse Zonda in the 450 at Wing Canton. Uh, now, Cheltenham chat time as we get ever closer, already a month away from the festival itself now. So, Dave, in terms of Cheltenham, anything? Did you have anything you wanted to flag up? Probably the main one to mention, because I mean, like we're starting to quieten down now in terms of Cheltenham stuff. There will still be some clues there. We've got potentially some like uh, handicappy clues as well. But I'll save us all a little bit of time because there's only one I really wanted to talk about. It's the bumper at Punchestown on Sunday. Rich Rieke and Willie Mullins have a horse called Port Julian. And they won this bumper. I say they did. Willie Mullins won the bumper the last two years with Ballyburn and James's Gate. Now, James's Gate was third in the champion bumper at Cheltenham. Ballyburn actually won the Punchestown bumper. So this Port Julian would be very interesting to watch. Might not be one for Cheltenham. But if they do skip Cheltenham, it would be one to smash up at Punchestown, I'd suggest. But it'd be a bumper well worth watching considering those two horses they've run the last couple of years. Oh, sorry. I thought that was a very abrupt ending to that sentence. Yeah, but yeah definitely. You've got, you've got to fade out, not just uh, take the needle off the record. Come on. <laughs> I just feel like the connection suddenly cut. Uh, the 510 at Punchestown, make sure you. Um, no, that's four, the four. up the. Sorry, what time's that race up? No, no, sorry. It's the 440. The 510's a novelty race. Sorry, yeah, that's why I just clicked into it. And I saw it was a challenge race, and I thought, that's not right. Uh, yes, sorry. The 440 then at Punchestown for that bumper. Definitely a race to be making a note of and for potentially future tracker horses and for Cheltenham or Punches Sound then itself. Andrew, Cheltenham chat, where are we going? Yeah, not a great deal. I was um, interested, uh, Dan Skelton, King of Ryehope, was a winner on his chase debut in Handicap Company at Chepstow and uh, they bombed out of Foss last, last time and then um, they've sort of you know, run him in a couple of tricky races since and you know, uh, running them in um, graded company to get experience but not finish anywhere near the winner. Kind of a good way of maintaining that handicap mark whilst getting chase experience. I just wonder if he's going to rock up in one of the handicap chases, you know, maybe the stable plate or um, up in trip for the Ultima. So keep an eye on King of Ryehope for a sort of never near a third or fourth with a few mm -hmm. next month. Okay, keep an eye then on for that horse. Right, and now the final thing, I'm buying the time, I'm buying the time just in case as Andrew flexes to try and pull up uh, who you're going to side with for your nap this weekend. So Andrew, there you go, hopefully that's been enough time. <laughs> um, I shall go Shamblu to, to win that uh, 
handicap chase, I think. So, um, yeah, take on the um, the one that's too short and uh, put him in a straight forecast of beats three under through five into second. Oh, Chamblou. OK, I will allow you to have that one then because I also really liked his chances uh, as well. Uh, Dave, you're next. Well, I mean, I was tempted to nap Victorino, but I said to myself, not if he's like naps Chamblou. So, I, I, I mean, I do fancy him, but like, yeah, anyway, I will nap Zonda. I don't know what sort of price it's going to be. It is punty enough, but Zonda will win the 450 at Wincanton or I'll never bet on it again. OK, Rose, you're going to leave him then in the handicap sphere going forwards off of that same mark. Um, that's uh, at Wincanton. Of course, the three o'clock at Ascot is the aforementioned Swinley Chase and Paul Chamblou. And I'm going to go Rubald then in the 205 Wincanton in the grade two Kingwell Hurdle because I don't think any of the rest of them can, uh, well, can match the form that he's shown this season. Right. That is everything from us on this week's show. We've had a limited source of races to go through, but hopefully everything does go ahead this weekend. Lots of agreement to there, which has made me slightly suspicious. But a big thank you to Dave <laughs> and to Andrew for all of their hard work, as per usual. Big thank you to our sponsors, Bet MGM, and to you for watching. Best of luck with your bets this weekend, and we'll speak to you again next week. <laughs>